0: The long, long night. Today's message is one of hope. And so I just want to start off by saying that if any of you are struggling in your life, maybe you've been struggling for quite some time, wondering if there is ever going to be light at the end Of the tunnel. This sermon is for you. We're gonna spend our time this morning looking at one of the most well known patriarchs in the Old Testament, Jacob. Jacob. And because so many of you told me how much you appreciated my message concerning John's usage of a charcoal fire from a few weeks back. I thought I'd share a similar message in which Scripture uses specific wording to make an important point. It begins in Genesis 28. After Jacob has deceived his father, stole his brother's blessing, he was plagued with regret and fear. Because we are told that Esau hated Jacob. He hated his brother for what he did. And so Jacob leaves the only home that he has known. And he comes into the land of Haran. And he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep, And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Now, this is a famous Old Testament scene, and a beautiful one at that. It's essentially a reversal of the Tower of Babel. While the Tower of Babel would go upwards toward God under the power of man, the latter came down toward mankind from the power of God. It's a reversal of a curse. It's the bridging of a separation. It's another one of the many images of the gospel in the Old Testament. Mankind is constantly trying to work their way back to God, but God came down to us and offered us life as a free gift. But the part I want to specifically call your attention to is is back in verse 11, that first part. And he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. I believe that the author here is trying to make a point in his description of it being night and the sun having set. That's quite a bit repetitive, isn't it? When it's nighttime, we know that the sun has set. But dear friends, whenever you see repetition In the Bible, especially of the obvious kind, pay close attention because odds are high that there is an important point that the author is trying to make here. I'm not talking about the earthly author, the man or woman that wrote that book with their hand. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit who is inspiring each of the authors. And what is fascinating? here is that when we read here in Genesis 28 about the sun setting, Jacob does wake up in the morning, but it won't be for another four chapters until we read about the sun coming back up, but more on that later. The writer here wants us to understand that though Jacob awakes from his dream, the long, long night of his difficulties is not over yet. Can anyone here relate? You get some glimmer of hope or change, but as the hours or days creep on, you come to realize that it was a false glimmer and that your difficult circumstances continue to march on. Jacob knew about this, and from here, his story leads into desire and deception. Jacob receives a comforting message from God and believes that his troubles are all behind him now. He eventually meets Laban and falls madly in love with his youngest daughter, Rachel, and he desires to have her as his own. So Jacob agreed to serve Laban for seven years in order to win the hand of Rachel in marriage. But after the seven years of hard labor, Laban deceived Jacob and snuck Leah into the dark marriage tent and in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And Jacob said to Laban, what is this you have done to me? Did I not serve you for Rachel? Why then? And the, the verbiage here is rich. If we know anything about Jacob's story, why then have you deceived me? Now, being a better man than probably many of us here, Jacob agreed to work for seven more years in order to have the honor of marrying Rachel. So after 14 total years of service to Laban, Jacob now has two wives, Leah and Rachel. And this led to envy and extras. Jacob loved Rachel more. But Leah was the one who gave him children. Seven of them, in fact, before it was all said and done. And this didn't sit well with Rachel. As she imagined that not being able to bear children would lead Jacob's love for her to eventually wax cold. When Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, she envied her sister, She said to Jacob, give me children or I shall die. Now time went on and Rachel in her envy eventually gave her handmaid Bilhah to Jacob and she bore him two more sons. Leah then became jealous and gave her handmaid Zilpah to Jacob and bore him two more sons. It was quite the soap opera storyline, right? And Rachel then did end up getting pregnant. Joseph and Benjamin were the last two born. And we aren't given all the specifics there in the biblical narrative, but I'm willing to go out on a limb and imagine that having four baby mamas under the same roof was quite stressful for Jacob, I can't imagine his home being a happy one. But life marched on. And this led Jacob to a time of prosperity and problems. There's a saying that goes, more money, more problems. And this story makes a strong case for that being true. He grew rich, both in family and in goods but that brought a new set of difficulties. Thus the man Jacob increased greatly and had large flocks, female servants and male servants and camels and donkeys. And by this point, Jacob and his family had outgrown his father-in-law's land. Arguments and petty disagreements continued to grow until it was clear to everyone involved that Jacob needed to leave. He needed to take his family and leave. Jacob fled with all that he had and arose and crossed the Euphrates and set his face toward the hill country of Gilead. He fled with his family and all of his belongings. But as it does, life marched on. Jacob's problems continued to mount, yet he, up to this point, seemed fairly able to just shrug off these problems, put them on the back burner. But all of that was about to change. He was now moving into his brother Esau's land, which led Jacob then into fear, And fighting. When he realized he was on his brother's land, the same brother who he'd done so wrong, the same brother who said that he hated Jacob, Jacob fell, sometimes we often do, into the dark spiral of his mind. Then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. He divided the people who were with him and the flocks and herds and camels into two camps, thinking if Esau comes to one camp and attacks it, then the camp that is left will escape. Jacob was committed to the idea that Esau was still angry and that his anger had grown into a deadly rage. He was at the point where he was essentially seeing his life flash before his eyes and convinced that Esau was coming for blood. So at least he wanted half of his family to be able to escape. So Jacob gathered goats, lambs, rams, camels, cows, bulls, and donkeys, and he handed them over to one of his servants and sent that servant ahead to meet Esau, try to butter him up, maybe soften his heart by giving him all of these free gifts. And then he sent what was left of his family that had stayed with him across a stream and stayed by himself to ponder his fate. And Jacob was left alone And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. In the dark of the night, someone grappled with Jacob. And Jacob couldn't see who his attacker was. We are told it was a lonely mountainous region full of deadly beasts, robbers, and murderers. Perhaps Jacob thought that it was one of his brother's men. But regardless, Jacob thought that he was fighting for his life. And so, he did that all night long. And as he fought for his life, he was overcome with bitter remorse. He was thinking about all of the steps that had brought him to this place. He was thinking about all the harm that he had done. And not just for the horrible way that he had treated his father and his brother, but also for the way that his own sins had brought his new innocent family into harm's way. And just when Jacob thought he couldn't last any longer, he remembered God's promises. And he cried out in earnest prayer for mercy. And his attacker touched his hip. And instantly, we were told that his hip went out of socket by a touch. And at that moment, Jacob realized that he was not wrestling with a man, a mere human, but instead he was wrestling with a heavenly messenger. And Jacob cried out once more, pleading for a blessing. And this is what the messenger said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Jacob, the name that he'd identified with when he had stolen his brother's birthright via fraud, the name that he'd been known by as he attempted to accomplish by his own efforts what God had promised to give to him. That name, that identity was stripped away, stripped away. In its place was given a new name that represented the forgiveness that God extended so freely and so fully to him, what he only accepted the blessing that he'd been seeking after his whole life the one that couldn't be replaced by a stolen blessing was finally given to him from god and with it a new name a new identity he was no longer supplanter and deceiver he was now forgiven and changed the crisis that his life had been characterized by had finally passed. Doubt, perplexity, and remorse had embittered his existence, but all was now changed. And how sweet was the peace of reconciliation with his God. And with that peace came the melting away of the fear Of his brother Esau. Jacob now believed that if God could forgive his grievous sins, then God could also soften his brother's heart. We began today's sermon with this text, and he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. The long, long night had come. The sun had gone down, but now we read this in chapter 32. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. For four chapters of Jacob's story, the sun was down. But after his night of wrestling with God, the bright light of God's mercy and grace crested the horizon of Jacob's damaged heart. With his limp as a reminder of his own lack of ability to fix things in his life, he limped on toward the brother that he thought that he'd lost forever. With the rising sun came the image of Esau. In the distance, their reunion was a happy one. Forgiveness was given and received. And for Jacob, the long, long night had finally come to an end. What about you, dear friends? What about you? Are some of you in the midst of your own long, long night? I pray that you find comfort in Jacob's story. There were times where he wanted to give up hope. There were times when he let fear get the best of him. There were times when he depended completely on his own power in doing. There were times when he felt alone and abandoned. But God was still working in his life. God was inviting him into peace. God was offering to take on his heavy load and give him rest. God never left him or forsook him. Jacob's long night eventually came to an end. And the sun will rise in your life too. You may feel like you have to do it all but God is working in your life. You may feel like everything is just a frantic mess, but God is still calling you to accept him, to trust him and receive his rest. You may feel alone or distant from God, but he has promised that he will never leave you nor forsake you when the pressures and pains of this life trip you up, remember that feelings are not Lord, Jesus's. What has Jesus said to you? What has God promised? And in, in the midst of it all, remember that you can be honest with God. You can be honest with God. It wasn't until Jacob wrestled with God that he found the peace and assurance that was his all along. Don't believe the enemy's lies that you are being punished for your mistakes, but instead, take the old apostle's advice in 1 Peter 5, 7, cast your anxieties on God because he cares for you. Because he cares for you. God cares for you. God loved you. God saved you. No matter what the world may throw your way, you can rest assured that in the gentle arms of Jesus, you are truly safe and sound. Amen and amen. As we close, I'd like to offer you a practical way to apply something from today's sermon. So if you so wish, pull out your phones, take a picture of this week's secret place practice. What are the worries, fears, and regrets that hold you back from experiencing the abundant life Jesus has said is yours? Take some time this week to write these things out and give them to God in prayer. Make a practice of accepting his peace, comfort, and protection daily through faith. The accompanying text is John 10:10. These are words spoken from the mouth of Jesus. "The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly." Before we have our closing prayer, I'm going to invite Ellie to come forward and stand at the foot of the steps as our elder in charge for today. I'm going to have the benediction. And then I'm going to step down to the other side. But if there's anybody here that has any specific needs, any special requests, maybe you have a praise that you just want to share. Come speak to either Ellie or myself. We would love to hear from you. Listen, and then take that petition. Take that praise and lift it up to the throne of grace. Let us pray. Our loving, gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, it's not easy living in this sinful dark world but Lord we know that this was not your original plan and it might be the quick and the easy thing to do when life isn't going the way that we would like it to go when when things aren't happening the way that we want them to happen it might be quick and easy to put the blame on you to ask the question of where are you or do you care But Lord, in these moments, I always reflect back to a little parable that Jesus told. And when people asked where the bad things in this life came from, his simple response was an enemy has done this. Lord, may we always remember that we are in the midst of a great controversy and that while our enemy is always against us, you are for us. Lord, we thank you for all of these stories and scripture that we can turn to and find hope and encouragement in. Lord, I don't know exactly who here today is in the midst of their own long, long night. But Lord, I pray that they would find comfort in this story of Jacob and they would find ultimate peace and assurance and salvation in you. Lord, we give ourselves to you now. And we thank you for giving yourself to us. We pray this all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen and amen.